welcome to the second episode of Horror Fried Podcast. We're going to dive into Last House on the left here shortly, but first some housekeeping business. I just want to welcome back Joe Bob Briggs, who did a 24-hour marathon last month in July. It was absolutely awesome. And rumor has it he's going to do another one because of the success. They broke the internet, so well done. I watched as much of that as possible and really enjoyed the... uh, Sorority Babes and the Slime Bowl Bullarama at about 3 a.m. that first night. Green Factory at Comic-Con announced several awesome releases that are upcoming. The most immediate ones that are going to be released. Sleepwalkers, a Stephen King movie. I'm not going to really call it a classic. I don't know if it deserves that. It's quite a bit. Of, I think some people have a bit of nostalgia for it. I certainly do. A 90s horror gem, in my opinion. Not to be confused with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> right, who we'll talk about in a second as well. Also announced Candyman and Urban Legend. So, a bunch of 90s horror there that's coming. Also a huge deluxe collection for Critters. Gotta love Critters. Gotta love Critters. And the Creep, they got Creep Show coming out too. Some, some, yeah, some Creep Show, those are good. I'm enjoying it. Love some horror anthology. More immediately, Creepshow will be out. I'm not sure what exact release date on that, but it is coming out pretty soon. This week, I got my hands on the, the Brain Scan Blu-ray, which looks awesome, along with the uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2 Collector's Edition, which Ooh. I have a soft spot for. Also, listeners, if you haven't checked it out yet, the Inside Jaws podcast by Wondery. They also did the Inside Psycho, which we covered last week. The Inside Jaws podcast is absolutely outstanding. Quite a lot of information on Steven Spielberg. There he is. <laughs> which I know is, is is one of those directors that most people will either love or they hate. He did Jaws. That's a top five favorite of mine. It, I mean, think about right now. Perfect. All now. the shark movies that are coming out right, right now, today. All of them that have would, come out, and if... Anyone, any sane person, if you ask them what the best shark movie is, they're going to tell you Jaws. I mean, it's got to be. I mean, so, maybe, maybe young kids like it's kids held the crown that, that long. Kids that would be like our kids' age might go out to the movies now and say The Meg. The Meg's the best shark. They hadn't seen it though. But would you have The Meg if uh, it wasn't? No. Would you have Shark Week if not for Jaws? That's a, then that's a more impressive question. Would you have Shark Week if not for Jaws? Jaws, excellent horror movie, but I think it also kind of, I would like to think that Jaws is the reason that sharks are so popular. Well, I mean, and... Or one of the reasons. Think I mean, sharks are awesome in and of, of themselves, but what was put horror? the spotlight on it. What was horror then? We're talking about a movie from 72. Right now, Jaws 75. Right. It's the realism of it. You could go out into the ocean and get eaten by a shark. That was the horror. It can, and what well, it did, I think that was part of the inspiration. Is it, is it did happen? And like what we're talking and, about. And today. Quinn's story on the boat. Oh, with him, the, his ship getting sunk in the navy, and them being stranded at, and some, several of them getting eaten by sharks, or attacked, bitten, it, maimed. It, it's based in truth. The idea that sharks yeah. followed boats because that's. Something they knew they right. would receive food from, those sailors and the boats and 
Sure. Walking the plank was a, a big thing, and sharks were there, and that's based off of fact, the fact yeah. that those sharks did follow. Yeah, but we're not going to go too far into Jaws. That's another topic for another day. Sure. Exactly. But as far as Spielberg goes, Jaws have a big soft spot for E.T. Correct. And Indiana Great Jones. Great. I mean, are you Indiana Jones in... Yeah. So, on in the house as we showed. So up Spielberg today. may have not done everything right, but he did something right. Well, I, I feel like uh, no one can dispute that fact. Most important part of this podcast, what do what are we drinking on? We got kind of a special a special brew this evening. Today, all the way from Oregon. Pirates Which we're on the East Coast, by the way. We're, so it, it is literally Across continental U.S. Across continental U.S., all the way from northwest to Virginia, southern, south-central Virginia, we've got Pirate's Cup of Joe Porter from a homebrew out in the Portland area, Squid Ink Brewery. It is one of the most delicious, in my opinion, coffee porters that I've had. It is Clearly traveled a long way to touch our lips and to find its way into our belly. <laughs> it, it, it was literally in the refrigerator long enough to get cold so that it could be drank. And, it and I've enjoyed it. Much longer. It's, it's, it. It's one of those beers that gets better the more you drink it. Well, any beer should, and yeah, this one definitely that's, has. That's kind of the problem with beer. The, the, the beauty and the problem. The beauty well, yeah, and problem. As it gets better. The, and this one at a 6.7% alcohol by volume is right there. It's a little over those lagers, but a little under some most of your IPAs, so it's it's easy to drink. And, you know, these porters, I generally like to drink them in the winter and the colder months. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's was over 90 degrees here today, and this hasn't felt like... Thought about heavy to it. where I'm like, oh Jesus! Thought about yeah. trying to save these until yeah. fall. Couldn't do it. I, so I was too excited. This is probably a porter that I could drink all year, anytime. Yeah, I mean, and definitely be good in the winter. But I, I don't think I wouldn't shy away from it at any month, especially. I mean, even in the blistering summer that mm -hmm. we have here, humid and hot. The only problem with that is any of the listeners East Coast, you're you're probably not going to be able to drink it. West Coast, maybe you can go find Jared Folsom, the brewer for Squid Ink. Try to see if you can get some. Now, does he have this in stores in Oregon? Or is there, it the only way you can get it is from him? Or there, how can you... there are some trying to get him to start his own brewery. However, right now, if you follow him on Instagram, at Squid Ink Brewing, You'll see that it's really a home-based operation. He brews very locally. It's not a whole lot of resale or store sales. So consider yourself lucky if you can get a hold to any of his brews. The Earl the Grey Whale Ale, which is a lager as well that he brews, and some others that are about to come out that he's been working on. But um, the Pirate's Cup of Joe Porter, amazing, delicious. Yeah. The bottle has some coffee. The bottle has some really cool artwork too. Oh, like his labels. All, That's a good name too, Squiddy. Like the name. All of the labels I've seen are amazing. All right, so last house on the left, directed by Wes Craven, mm. starring Sandra Peabody <laughs> as Mary Collinwood. 
Lucy Grantham as Phyllis Stone. David Hess is Krug. And he also does the music, interestingly enough. Oh, man. We got Fred Lincoln, who's kind of made a career doing all kinds of stuff, even adult films. Oh, yeah. And Jeremy Rain as Sadie. Let's what? not forget our, uh, I, I know at least one of my favorites, not a major actor in this movie, but Martin Coke Can't forget as Martin the Cove. deputy. John Kreese himself. Oh my goodness. Amazing. And he was actually offered the uh, role of Krug. Well, not really offered it. They wanted him to audition for the role of Krug. And I don't know if he was offered it or not. I know he auditioned for it. And, and he and his friend, David Hess, he, he said he had the perfect man for the job. And he could do your music. Indeed, and so, it's if you've ever seen the film there. and you heard the music, it, it's different from what you're going to hear in current <laughs> films. It's definitely not the same, but at the same time, we've got to remember it's 72. It's a different era. Right. It's a different idea in movies, and it's it's almost like a stage play type play on the music where they are setting up what's taking place in the film for you. A lot of it does While that, at yeah. the same time, Offering you a little bit of enjoyment as you see them either riding down the road or walking through the woods. And Jeremy Rain, uh, kind of our link to to Jaws, ends up marrying Richard Dreyfus. I know, lucky man. Indeed, lucky woman. We got a Mark Scheffler playing Junior. Uh, Richard Towers is Dr. John Collingwood, and Cynthia Carr is Estelle Collingwood which I thought did a wonderful job as well. Martin Cove is just labeled deputy. Right, and that's how it's amazing kind of minor of a role he has, although it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it looks like a fun role. Oh, uh, he had a, <laughs> it, it's, you can kind of tell he had a great time in it, and quite honestly, it's uh, completely different from the role that he would have played in Karate Kid. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, he's a, he's a goofy deputy that's just clumsy in this movie and then later turns out to yeah. be just a hard ass and yeah. karate kid so i mean john crease scared the hell out of me as a kid i remember sitting I mean, talking with you as we watched this film not long ago and thinking what would this have done to john crease and karate kid if he actually did play the role of crew like could he have done it oh would that's it true been okay Right. Like, or that's, would that's people that knew been like, oh, Lord, we can't watch this film? Like, right. Would Karate Kid have even been able to be as big of a hit as it is if he had been crewed? And would you have David Hess doing the music if that was to occur? And and would he have done a good job in this role? So there's a lot of questions about Because David Hess, to me, did amazing. I mean, he is... But he did... He has the, the entire demeanor. He's got the, the image... The attitude, everything fits for him in this role yeah. as crew. And he actually, speaking of that, you know, on this movie's release, he would have to, people would get on the subway, he'd be sitting on the subway. People would get on, or he'd get on, and they would literally move away from him because of this role. Uh, he, I mean, listen to his interviews, he seems like a super nice guy. I mean, he seems very down to earth and... His music is not of the... Seems like he's kind of an emotional guy from his music. The, and funny guy. The music seems but, very kind of happy-go-lucky. 
It doesn't seem yeah. ominous at all. Right. But I can definitely but, see you know, moving away from someone like that on the subway if you saw him. Right. He's a he's an intimidating fellow. Well, he's, yeah, he's a very tall guy from what I understand. Wes Craven, you know, I guess get into the climate of, what did you say, 1972? 72. The world got its last house on the left. Originally titled Krug and Company. The 70s to me was a turning point. You know, you had Altamont. You had the horrible free concert they tried to do out west and and with the murder happening there and then you had the Manson family at this point the counterculture was definitely reeling as far as the idealism of the 60s um, into a more darker era which would be the 70s could we argue that this movie makes that point as in the beginning Mary's parents before she leaves very uh, open conversation there. Very open conversation yeah. about a bra. And yep, she's the, not wearing one. The time of the era. And then before she leaves, receives a expensive, quote-unquote, necklace with what kind of charm on it, but a peace symbol. Peace symbol. Yeah, very prominent in the film. Indeed. The, the whole necklace idea even coming back to fruition and the more recent remake of Last House on the Left, it's how they were able to identify. It's a very continuous theme. It's how they were able to identify that their daughter was the victim of a violent crime by the people that they were harboring. Yeah, that was the, the kicker. But we'll get into that a bit later. Uh, so 1972, I guess one of the still one of the big topics on the political scene on the global scene was the Vietnam War oh yeah and Wes Craven that was his kind of inspiration to make this film according to him he says that and and Sean Cunningham as a producer as well uh, who would go on to to be to make the Friday the 13th start the Friday the 13th franchise but they said they uh, saw so much violence on the television over dinner, and it was almost at this point normal in a way that they had gotten numb to the violence. That it wasn't wasn't shocking in the least. It was just it was it was what was on TV. It's it's and, interesting, yeah, because. In the news, as as it seems, in the news, it's okay to show that violence. But then they make this film, and it seems as though it had a lot of outrage from certain people that, you know, why would you make some type of film like this, showing all this violence and all these negative images and the terrible things that take place in it? However, if you watch your morning news, you're going to see the exact same type of thing. So someone creating this out of their mind it's a negative thing but if you see it on tv in the morning over your cup of coffee and and war it's just normal your everyday image that you're going to watch it is interesting it was throwing it back in their faces i guess it was his agenda um, and i think it worked pretty well we got a lot of future horror movies uh, horror movies out of uh this from Wes Craven, and it yeah, definitely they, set up some remakes, and right. it definitely was 
a realistic movie, I would say, that it should hit home for people. Even today, you think of missing persons and the kids on the side of milk cartons that have gone missing and your kid goes out of the house if you're an adult and are they going to come back and I'm going to sit up all night and wait for them. It's, this is what, this is, it pushes all those buttons. Definitely does. The movie starts off, interesting conversation between daughter and parents. And then we go, she's going to go see, what was the, what was the band? Oh man, it was a great name. What's the band name? Can't quite remember that one. It was a freaking awesome band name though. Should be a real band. It was a band I would go see. For sure. So she's gonna go see this band with her friends. Or or a particular friend that mom and dad are not too keen on her going with. Did you have a friend like that where your parents were like, oh, are you going with such and such? I feel like there's always that kid that's around that, you know, you want to be friends with or you know as a as a personal friend that is not a bad kid but definitely ends up with a type of persona or some type of idea that they're a, a terrible, terrible person and that they... You know, one thing possibly could happen. One thing they've done in their entire life, yep. and then all of a sudden they, they got just been cast out they by gotta, society. Yep, they're they're tagged for the rest of their their youth as the bad kid. And whatever happens while you're with the bad kid is the bad kid's fault. Oh, you just yeah. you end up seeing yourself out with that bad kid. You're you're a bad kid. Yourself. Even if it was your idea, correct? Mom and dad's just gonna think it's the bad kid's fault. So she's going with this girl that the parents have a premonition that something bad's going to happen, and of course it ends up happening. Uh, and, you know, if they weren't trying to score some pot, this would have all been avoided. And I'm, I don't know for a fact that this is the first movie where having sex or doing drugs is what causes you to come to your violent right. end, but... It definitely falls in line with that movie. Which is interesting because, you know, you see that theme in a lot of horror films. And, by, you know, as a generalization, conservatives, they, they hate these films. But a lot of these films have very conservative values. There's a lesson. There's 100%. I mean... It, the, the sin leads to the downfall. And it's just like anything else. They have the conversation about her not even wearing a bra at the beginning. And so the conversation could become, during this time, the See? idea of a housewife, the idea of a, a woman as the inferior sex. During this time, you, de you definitely have the idea of the woman as an inferior sex and a housewife and things. And now your daughter's running out of the house with no bra on and... Is she bringing it on herself? It's it's something that a, a parent could make the argument by showing just the beginning and then looking at the outcome of the movie. If you go out dressed like this, you're bringing it on yourself. You're asking people to, to do this to you. But in reality, is that the case? No. That's, there's some very crooked and twisted people out there. 
So, Krug and company end up escaping prison, from what I understand. Oh, yeah. With the help of Sadie. Named Sadie uh, from Susan Atkins of Charles Manson family fame. Apparently, she played Susan Atkins in some kind of some production. So, she'd been called Sadie before. They just, I guess they just moved the name right on over to Last House on the Left. Apparently, she helps them escape. Now, they're trying to get out of the state, trying to escape. Get out of the state so they can be free. And Junior's hanging out. Has two very attractive females. Want to score some pot. She, he turns them away and then kind of remembers Krug's request to find him. What was going on there? He, uh, he wanted some fun or something. He was upset because Jeremy Rain's character was the only woman in the house. Right. And the ratio was way off. Yes. It was her with Krug, his buddy Fred, the son, I yep. believe, his Junior son, is the Junior. Son. Yep. And that's it. And, uh, you know, I believe Sadie finally just says, you know, we need to even out this ratio. I'm not going to put out until something else happens and so as uh junior is kind of standing on the stoop down there he just puts off the vibe as a someone was holding this time that might I mean, have I, some I, wheat I, yeah and he's the got way the he's, long the hair way he's standing and his posture he looks like he's holding them in he might have he might it be wasn't holding, a stretch to it, you know it's not some. necessarily like the left or the right leg pant leg is rolled up or there's no shoes the thrown obvious. over the wire outside. You seem to know those pretty well. Yeah, I taught in city school. Uh, but he he looks like a guy that could be possibly holding with the long hair and looks kind of scruffy. A little, as, as we can see through the movie, jacked up teeth, which yeah. would be more like meth now than marijuana. But Had that killer jean jacket. They, oh, buddy. Jean jackets are still popular now. I feel like. Yeah, you, you have. It, it takes a special person, I think, to pull them off. I can't. I don't. I don't think can. I can. Either. But he, uh, at first, in, in the movie, as I recall, he at first turns them away. Says, "Yeah, he does. I don't have anything. Have a great day." Yeah, and then it's like a light bulb, kind of just uh, pops up like above his head. He's like, "Wait a minute." He brings them upstairs. And then it all goes to hell. Oh my goodness! And they like, immediately know it. They, as soon as like the door closes, they like, get oh, in. Shit. Well, that, that's a big thing when the door closes. They get yeah. inside, and they start feeling a little uncomfortable as they see what's happening in there. Sadie's laying on the floor in the corner, and Fred's sitting with his weird mesh tank top over in a recliner, and. Sadie, I, I remember the uh, a very vivid image for me is that Sadie just jumps up. Right. Jeremy Rain, she jumps up when they shut the door, like, as in, and I say like again, but she just jumps up when the door shuts because they know for a fact this is what we needed. Junior's delivered. Here it comes. There's two girls here. The door slams behind them. She jumps up. Everybody knows their place. 
Yeah. We're going to capture these girls. They're going to be here. There's no question to anybody at that point that this and, is their fate. That's what they're going to be reached. And emotional and physical torture both ensue. And it ends up the girls are with them as they're trying to make their way out of the state. Certainly out of the city at this point. Nice song starts playing, <laughs> kind of narrating what's going to happen next. Their plan is to rape, murder, and dump the bodies before heading out of state. So, you know, these people have escaped prison and are searching for their freedom by, you know, getting out of the state, but they cannot help themselves to kind of risk being caught they just can't help themselves do they have they have to do this uh, they have to commit these crimes i mean this is you know this is the priority this is the priority over it, it fully escaping by getting out of the state i find that interesting how they, they just can't help themselves they've been out literally i don't know it's what maybe 12 hours I mean, yeah it's it's ingrained deep within these people which, again, um, is as far as the message that it sends. It, all, it could send the message of the idea of, of a villain is a villain at heart. Right. A criminal is a criminal. They're never not going to be a criminal. It doesn't matter whether they go to jail, whether they get out of jail, they're a criminal. That might be the, the mindset during that time. And then you have, you know, a gruesome rape and murder scene happen and then we have Miss Peabody running away I use the word loosely with Junior she's kind of she sees some good in Junior Junior is somewhat a victim but in this in a way it definitely um, it's a personal opinion I, I don't disagree with you but at the very beginning, if it were not for Junior, they would not be That's in this true. situation. That's true. However, Junior. later he has a change of heart. So while one person can have that change of heart, yep. the others do not. And so their Sandra outcome is a direct result. Her attempts are in vain. She's chased down. She's raped. And then there's a scene where she kind of just walks along. And the interpretation is that she's in shock at this moment, ends up walking into the whatever body of water that is, a lake or pond, whatever it is. And I think it's more like a pond. It looks like a pond. If you go by the remake, they create it into a lake. Oh, yeah, the remake is just a huge lake. It's yeah. a huge And, and she it's not nearly a as, super great swimmer. It's not nearly as funky either. Oh, that, no. That, that was disgusting, it's that water completely clean in the remake in the beginning you see the same scene at least a couple of times of some ducks swimming around with all of this moss and algae on the on the surface yeah so and then she gets shot a couple of times and then we leave her all the while this is going on we're cutting back to her parents putting pieces together she's obviously has not come home and then we we also have these scenes with the the police, Martin Cove being one of them, 
and <laughs> th it's almost like it's, you're not watching the same movie because you have these gruesome acts of violence occurring, and then you're cutting away to just complete goofball comedy. He forgot um, to put gas in the car. Didn't put the gas. They're on a huge manhunt. They know about these people, these convicts that are on the loose. So they are attempting to capture them, but they don't have gas in the car. So now they're on foot. And, <laughs> and they had to walk so far Yeah, they to reach them. this house just for the simple fact they have no gas in the car. Right. Come across a woman in a truck. With the chickens. With chicken coops everywhere. Yeah, and chicken. they fall off the hood of a truck. Yeah. yeah. She keeps going. So, I don't know if it's making a statement about law enforcement at the time or if it's just the nature of the comic relief. But it is interesting how the law enforcement in this movie are completely useless. And... and just to add on to that, Martin Cove, to, to me, is just such a... Hardcore badass, but at the well, same that's because, time, that's because the first role you saw him in was Karate John Kid. Crease. Yeah, that Indeed. was deep. But I'm not sure of his work the prior to this in, movie. So the person in charge of him, who looks at him like a moron, right, is an overweight, balding man with extremely thick black frame glasses. Who, if you were going to make a moron in a current day film <laughs> you could transplant him into right. whatever role you would like yeah. and but he's looking at martin cove like an idiot yeah and i i found that interesting throughout the film it 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 didn't make it unbelievable but it it was interesting to me it, it added a little bit of uh enjoyment it, it added a little bit of uh just interesting insight that I could see. Right. So then we get, you know, all this plays out and our convicts need a place to stay. And whose house are they hopping upon? But Mary's. Yeah. Sandra's house whose parents are, have been looking for them or one are not really looking for them. They're not really out. I don't recall ever them leaving. They just kind of, walked around very concerned. So they offer up their house to these people. So this movie is based on an older film and The Virgin. The Virgin Spring. Which similar events occur in which the, the convicts or bad people do these horrible things and they end up in the house of the parents of the girl they've done these horrible things to and the parents, just like in Last House on the Left, torture and kill them. Apparently, the goal was for the viewer, or if you're reading this, the reader, to feel remorse for these people who have done these horrible acts. Because what happens is the convicts go to this house, and the parents figure them out, mainly through the... The piece necklace jewelry. jewelry. There's some other clues that hint them off too. There's like some bite marks, I think, on was it on Krug or either we or Weasel? It's on it's on one of them. They they see some injuries. Yeah. And she they, later sees the 
piece of jewelry specifically that, that Junior's wearing that, that Sandra gave that, to Junior. Which prompts her to investigate the luggage that they have brought and lo and behold where she finds the bloody clothes. Yep. So then they set up all these traps throughout the house using household items which is you're welcome home alone. Yes, thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much, Homeland. This is exactly where you're headed. Uh, Kevin McAllister, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad that you watched this. <laughs> then torture and that all goes down. You just need to see it. This, I mean, this is a excellent. If you're into horror movie, this is a must-see. Anyhow, I'm not going to give you all the details of the kills here, but they're quite creative and... The chainsaw, it's awesome. His his slow, intent walk with the chainsaw after Krug by... You're welcome, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> ...is awesome. So, get back to my original point. You're supposed to feel remorse for these people who have done this horrible thing. Did that occur for you in this film? Personally, for me, I... I can't say I feel bad for everyone. I feel like I need to take it as a case-by-case basis. All right. Well, who, who did you feel at, remorse for? Even though it's Junior's fault in the beginning, I do feel kind of bad for Junior because not from his outcome, not that he died, but from who he died from. Well, he's a suicide. He's dead. Well, his dad instructs him to kill himself. Indeed. And, and he does. It, it, it turns into that idea of his dad had that control over him. Right. That That's why I feel bad for him. Yeah. Because but Junior's pretty helpless. He, he was going to die. He's helpless. He's going to die. But the, the way that he dies is what causes me to have the sympathy for him because... In the beginning, you realize he is the cause of this problem, as I have stated. He is the reason why these girls are in this position. But his death shows you, or should show you, the, the purpose of it, I feel, is that he had no control over it from the beginning. He couldn't have helped himself even if he wanted to. He, he couldn't have helped those girls just like he could not have helped himself. His dad says to do a specific thing, and he follows through with it. He feels that insignificant and insecure and, and helpless in the situation. And so that's, that's why I feel sorry for him. Sadie, not so much. She's the one also that puts the idea... Then Krug's hit. We need to even out the ratio. All right. Fred, That's, I mean... He's a sleazeball. He's a sleazeball. He gets seduced. In real life as, as in... By Miss Collingwood. Oh, yes. He, you know, he's he's in the adult films in real but life. She is an attractive lady, too. She is. All the women in this film are attractive. Especially for the time period. You've got to remember for the time uh, period. Even today. Today they would be, but you if you have a difficult time imagining them outside of a 1972 
outfit or haircut or anything else, then they are attractive. And she, uh, Miss Collingwood takes care of business down by the, the pond or pool. lake I think it was a as pool. well. Wasn't that a pool? Where, the large body of water <laughs> is I a th place that I would feel <laughs> I very the, unfortunate to go toward. Uh, uh, right, yeah, anybody gets close to that thing, it's a goner. <laughs> but I think that was a pool. It looked like a pool. I'm not sure. And that's the same body of water that... Uh, that Sadie runs into there at the end. Either way, I don't want to go near it. Oh, it was disgusting, yeah. Kudos. You're welcome, Lorraine Bobbitt. Kudos to those actresses. It's a shame none of the, the male actors had to endure that. <laughs> <laughs> endure the, the, the nasty water. That was clearly the, the hardest thing they had to do. Well, I don't want to say that's the hardest thing they had to do, but Definitely most, most disgusting. So, so anyhow, you so you maybe a little remorse for Junior, but not really anyone else. Uh, not with I'm, not of Krug. the convicts. Of, of obviously, you feel remorse. Definitely for the not Krug. Definitely not Fred. Yeah. Definitely not. Uh, See, and yeah. I, I believe Craven. That was. I don't know if that was his goal. He says that that's. You know, this idea came from the Virgin Spring, and that was what fascinated him about that is that you somehow feel remorse for the these people that have done these terrible deeds as they're getting tortured but i i think it if it was attempting to do that for me it failed because i was ready for them to get there just do uh, i i mean i agree uh, they they got what was coming to them in today's time i guess when you look at the remake just as an example because it's along the same lines. They they don't cut away during things like the rape scenes and and other things that are happening. So they give you a more vivid image of this is what's taking place. During this movie, well, the 1972 just version... To, just to speak on that for a moment. When, before even starting making this film, they decided that it was going to be in a documentary style to where... In a documentary, the camera just stays there. Movies before in this genre, and, and in many genres, for that case, would cut away, and it would be suggestive of the action that was occurring in the film. This one, that was intentional. We're gonna, the camera is gonna stay there. It gives it a, a, a certain feel, and I think for production cost, it may actually be kind of cheaper because you're doing less. You know, fancy cinematography. And you don't need all the extra movement. Right. So that was why they went with that. What? Go ahead. And you're saying the remake uh, doesn't quite use that technique. Oh, as much. It, it gives you a very vivid image of what's taking place. It uh, it shows the face of the victim. It it gives the victim more of a story, rather than. You're just traumatized and walking away, as you already stated, and you, you've been the victim of this violent act, and now you have walked into the pond or lake. But in this, they they put you more in the victim's shoes, the the remake, and and it 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 shows you that it's just a, a terrible thing that should be happening. So it takes away from 
the idea of feeling sorry for the people committing the crime. So, all right. So we're going to get a little bit into the remake, um, which was what, 2008, 2009? 2009. 2009, they remade this film. Prior to going into the remake, I just want to say that the actor that played Weasel done several interviews through the years about Last House on the Left. Here recently, he's he really just trashes the film every chance he gets, it seems. Uh, like I said about his past of being a part of the adult industry, he, he says that this is the only movie he's made that he regrets. Makes me feel <laughs> a, lot, a lot less remorse for him in the film. <laughs> Wish that he could have gotten even a more violent end in the film than what he gets. Uh, he claims this is probably one of the worst movies ever made. So it is. It is. You know, it has its its fans. It has certainly Mr. Lincoln was part of the film and doesn't have very much good things or very many good things rather to say about it. So 2009 remake, Last House on the Left. I guess. I should start off by saying that, uh, you know, a, a lot of there's a lot of people out there, especially in horror community, and there's been a lot of horror remakes over the last 15, 20 years. It's like it seems like every semi-successful or successful horror film from, you know, 70s, 80s um, has been remade. A lot of people, like, hard, especially hardcore horror fans, it drives them nuts. They can't stand it. Um, I'm really not one of those people. I mean, I'm, I'm of the mindset as if, if you feel that strongly about it and don't want to see it, um, don't see it. I mean, you always have the original one there. And I watch a lot of these remakes, and some of them I like, some of them I don't particularly care for. But I always try to never hold them up to the standard of the original because there's a reason why the movie got remade is because it was so well gen and in general it's influential right it's an influential um movie that's kind of stood the test of time and some studios saying hey you know how we can make a quick buck just remake what's already out there that people seem to love this just remake it modernize it a little bit throw it out there yeah, it's a cheap and way to make some money something that i can look at and agree to that with is the the idea that whether you like or dislike current actors and actresses, a lot of them are very big fans of cinema as a whole, old and new. And so it, you can imagine if you were put in the position of someone coming to you and saying, I'm going to pay you X amount of money to star in this remake of this film, and you really enjoyed the original, obviously you want to be a part of it. You you want to be able to, to say, hey, I got to be a part of the remake of a film I'm very passionate about. You don't have any outcome necessarily of whether it, the fans see it as a great movie or a terrible movie or whether it did justice to the original film or not, but you're a part of it regardless. Right. And, you know, actors. After a movie is released... A lot of people think that the actors are going to know how good the film is. A lot of times, actors are not really aware until. I mean, I'm, certainly they see it before the release, but not long before the release because the movie, you know, when they're done, there's still a lot of work to be done. Editing, 
you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, test screening sometimes could change parts of the film. So, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of people will get pissed off at actors for certain movies. But a lot of times it's, you know, they, they're there to do one job, and that's play that role. Right. They have no control over everybody else's role. They have, well, some actors, depending on their reputation or how big of a star they are, may have some influence on oh, a, a lot of the, the writing and their character and things of that nature. But for the most part, they don't. You, There's you've other... just got to step outside of looking at the movie as a whole and look at it individually as, did this person do a good job representing that character? Did another person do a good job of yeah. representing that character? And it's it's very highly likely that there's like a great acting job done in a movie that's a, a giant hot turd. Indeed. So so 2009 Last House on the Left remake. I I thought it was okay. A lot uh, of things changed. I don't know whether they changed it to make it more modern. Yeah. But I do feel like a lot of things changed in yeah. the movie. I enjoyed it. I will say that. When I, I remember, I mean, I hadn't watched it probably since around that close to that time when it was released. And I do remember having fun with it. I do remember enjoying it. Um, uh, so. To me, again, it's just a, a realistic, that the idea that being realistic, the idea that it could happen. If you're a parent and your kids are at the age that they want to go to a concert alone, don't watch the original or the remake because <laughs> you're going to sit up all night. You're going to end up at the show being a helicopter parent, hanging out, watching them. And I'm sure that a similar thing has happened across the United States and across the world as a whole, that a parent sees their kid go off to go to a concert they don't see him again. I know for a fact that it's well, happened close to us. Yeah, Charlottesville, Metallica concert. Yeah, I think that was around the time of the remake. Of it it 2009, happens. 2009, 2010, in that, that time. It happens. And and that, that to me, as we have stated in our previous podcast, is is what, to me, makes a horror film really good. Is... Can you see yourself living out the role of the victim in this movie? Is it realistic? Could it actually happen? The, the horror movies or the films that are in the horror genre, to me, personally, that have a extremely more poltergeist and supernatural and supernatural, yeah. supernatural horror films, they're not as they're not as scary to me. They they really? don't they don't reach me as much as a that they're jump scares to me. They're they're more jump scares, and it's as soon as it's over, it's all right. Well, that's that's done with these movies. The realistic horror movies to me hit home more. Gotcha. And there's a difference between being startled and suspense scared, as as Hitchcock would would say that of course. to be startled would be having a family sitting at a table and the bomb go off. You know, ah, you're startled. Suspense 
is showing the family eating dinner and then panning down below the table and seeing there's a bomb. And the family is completely oblivious. They're just carrying on. That builds suspense. And I think this movie balances both of those well. That, that's the key. Making a great horror film is you have to, you have to, you, the jump scares are important in a way, but you can't just have jump scares. You got to have some of that suspense. I'm still trying to climb out of the depth of the hole you just dug with the Hitchcock analogy. Oh, I, it, he said something along those lines. That's, that's what he get. What? If he didn't say that exactly, then we can use this medium to go ahead and copyright. Oh, you and, <laughs> That no, we can't copyright that. If it's not word for word, that's you. That's all. So I that's mean. all you gotta do. The copyright is you just change a word. Hey, I said the instead of but. We we just got through it. Well, I mean, Nickelback <laughs> made a career on that. I feel like true horror. <laughs> <laughs> Nickelback. Uh, so you wanna give? Well, I think we should start doing ratings. We need, a, we need a rating system. I agree. This I agree. Podcast. What do we? How do we rate? Right. Should we go it's stars? So we can do no. Not no. stars is too mediocre. Stars is too official. Too. This is not official. I agree. This is not official. We drink beer. We could do beer. Beer. One to five beer. Half beer. Half uh, it beer. is a horror podcast. We could do skulls. Of course, you could do. Oh yeah. But I think everybody does skulls. Indeed. Butcher knives. We could do toilet bowls. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but then you'd think more toilet bowls would be the crappier Bad. movie. So like five toilet bowls would be yeah. a terrible movie, yeah. but one toilet bowl is a great yeah. one. So we have to create our own rating but system. That would confuse people. We'd have to explain that constantly. Since we're going to focus on some beers, why don't we just use a beer? I think we should do beer. I enjoy beer. All right. So 1972 Last House on the Left... We're, we're going to do five. People, I know some people like ten because it's more accurate. But one out of five I can't, beers. Yeah, one to five. One we to can five use halves. Beers. You can be half a beer. It could be no beer. So no beer, super sad. Oh, to five beers, I'm getting somewhere. You're getting or somewhere. Or actually five beers would be like perfect. Five beers is this perfect. the most perfect right. movie ever made. Right. Five beers would be like. Pirate's Cup of Joe Porter. Pirate's Cup of Joe Porter is a five beer beer. That is, that's the way to throw it in for Squid Ink Brewing. Five beers is Pirate's Cup of Joe Porter. All right, so last house on the last 1972. How many, how many bottles of beer, cans of beer, glasses of beer, pints of beer? I'm gonna go 4.5. Four and a half. Four and a half. Bottles, pitchers, pints, beers. Yeah. To me, to me, the only reason I don't add more beers to it, the reason that I, that I take away, I guess, the half of a beer out of five, is just. And I feel bad for saying this because. The reason I take away half a beer is also the reason why I enjoyed the movie, but. As I explain it, hopefully it'll make sense. But well, this is your rating. You can, this is mine. It, 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 doesn't even have to, mine. it can make sense only to you, and that'd be okay. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I, I hope, others, I hope others understand. You're that. owning this four and a half beer. 
the, the half a beer to I mean, me. Five beers is a perfect movie. This is a very generous oh, yes. rating for Last House on Left, nineteen seventy-two. I, I definitely, uh, to me, it scares the crap out of me. I have a four-year-old daughter, and now I'll, all I want to do is just hold her, snuggle her, hang out with her. But I feel like just some of the music that was in the movie where I got to a point of taking the villains seriously and realizing that they are extremely salt-of-the-earth, like, bad people. To the core. To the core. There's not any... And that's interesting about these characters. With the exception of Junior, there's no redeeming quality. How many of these? They're just (laughs) terrible people. I mean, and I'm going to pop Freddy Krueger here, which, you know... Crew? Craven... Krug, Kruger, even Freddy Krueger has a redeeming quality in that he's funny. Right. He's a bit of a comedian, that guy. He is. And, um, and that's, why, that's, that's what I said about my rating and the fact that I feel bad for taking away half a star because it's what also added no, to the movie. No, you didn't take away half a star. We, but I did take away it. half a star for this. No, not star. Half you, of a beer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We don't do it stars. I've had that's for Entertainment Weekly. One I think half they do too ten much or of a beer. I don't know. That's for yeah. That's one half too many of a beer to be. That's a okay. but I did take away half of a beer because of the fact that as soon as I looked at them as just terrible people, then I see them cruising down the street, top down, having sex in a convertible, and this music comes on that makes it seem as though it's a comic relief almost. Okay, so you, you, It you, has a purpose. I realize it has a purpose for the time period. It's great. For me, it took away some of the suspense of the movie okay. and, and relaxed me a little bit. Yeah. And then something else negative happens and then a song comes on and it makes me relaxed. And That's the only reason. If we look at it as a horror film, if we look at it as... The fact that, to me, in a horror film, you should just be in suspense from the beginning to the end. Oh, we're going to have a problem here later. No, okay. <laughs> well, some of the movies that we'll do. To, I, I enjoy I'm, being in suspense from beginning constant, to end. Like, just constant. Just always wondering what's going to happen next. Gotcha. And, and it's not that the music made me... Because I enjoy a bit of camp. I enjoy a bit of camp. The... The camp, I don't. The camp is not a, as big of a deal to me. I, I I can enjoy some camp, but I feel like the music in the movie, in this movie, wasn't even necessarily camp as much as to me trying to. Maybe I was trying to analyze it too much. Yeah. But as I, I watch it, and then the the music comes on, and I'm trying to pick out the words and find out what's taking place in the movie and things. I'm, I'm just, I'm just left. It's almost as if it's restarting again. Gotcha. You've got to do something just as bad to start okay. off. But so, what about yourself? Well, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna do mine, but I'm gonna let you have an opportunity to rate the remake, Last House on the Left, 2009. For for Last House on the Left, 2009 remake, out of five beers, I'm gonna go with four out of five beers. Four. 
Really? Well, um, I mean, that's a very generous rate. I mean, that's... It, I, from what a lot of other people would see it as, it's very generous. Maybe I'm just a nice guy. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to go with four out of five. Okay. It took... Mainly because it took some of the main themes from the original movie that I did like. And it, it doesn't, took the it necklace theme. It doesn't have your cheesy music in it. It doesn't have its so cheesy music. It I, back off. Which, so I again, I, I, again, if... if I don't want anybody to be offended by it, especially our main character who was able to do the music. Uh, I I don't want them to, if for some odd reason they were able to hear this and say, oh, well, this terrible douchebag is putting down the music and enjoys the movie. I can't believe... Uh, I, I don't want anybody to feel that way about it. It's just my personal... Oh, yeah, it's The way that I felt in my emotions as the movie was going through, separate from the movie, the music is great. Right. But just in in the time frame that the movie was taking place. But to get to get to the remake, the, the reason that I give it for is just that it took some very specific themes from the original that I enjoyed, such as the necklace. The, the doctor really shines in the two. The doctor he's, shines he's much almost the more. main character. They show him as a doctor. In yeah. this one, you are just supposed to believe he is a I doctor. And in seventy two, he's a doctor. You're I think supposed he does to understand. Like a, I think he just he she has maybe like a collapsed lung or something and he it, does he does he stick her in the abdomen? To open up her and the new airway. one he does in yeah, 2009. So. He, maybe maybe inserts a chest tube too. She, and drains she some blood. says that she says she can't breathe, and he takes a knife and punctures the lung, sticks the tube yeah, from a spray tube. bottle in there, and um, oh, drains it. So yeah, it goes a lot more into the specifics of what's taking place. It's and that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the rating down a little bit too. Is it, it almost is, to me, it's doing certain things like that. Uh, it makes me almost want to drop it to a three and a half. But well, All right, what well, final rating? Three and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half beers, <laughs> uh, as I've been talking about it. Three and a half. It, it convinced it, himself. It, it, using those type of tactics, to me, drops it, drops it down because of, like, the Saw movies and things. It's it's horror because of how gruesome things are that are yeah. taking place. It's not what they've set up, but it's right. the fact of, oh my goodness, this yeah. guy is going right. to stab you, you, a knife into his daughter's side, and now they're sticking a tube in there, and now we're going to watch the blood drain out into a glass of water, and right. we're going to see the bloodshot. We're going to see him try to cauterize a wound with a with a hot knife like it. It, it adds too much of that to it instead of just going back to the original theme. It does include some of the major ideas with the necklace and Krug and Junior as well. Being it has the to victim. be. It ha I mean, it is a remake, but it can't be completely different. It as it as it <laughs> is called something else. Um, truth. That's hashtag <laughs> truth. However, um, with with I, I feel like it relied too much on the close-ups of the actual violent slash medical acts that are going on. The blood, the guts, the gore. Okay. Looking at wounds. Okay. So For you, as a person in the medical profession, it might not be that big of a deal. It, it just... 
I'm not sure how you would see it, but to me, well, it's that's what they they rely too much on that. Gotcha. So last house on the left, 1972, the original Wes Craven masterpiece. I'm gonna give. First of all, I'm gonna start by saying this is not a movie that I can watch all the time. I have to be in a certain mood to watch it. That's how just cerebral and savage and raw this movie is. So I have to be in a, a, a certain mood. I really can't describe what that mood is. I think I think I have to. It has. I have to plan. I say, hey, we're gonna watch the Last House on the Left X day or tomorrow or something. I have to kind of get myself in the right frame of mind You've to undertake. Prepare. Yeah, to undertake it. That's the type of movie this is. This is not something that, hey, uh, it's bedtime. What should I put on? Um, you know, it's not <laughs> I'm not those, watching this going to bed for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of those that, you know, that I go to very frequently. That being said, I think it's excellent. I think it achieves what it set out to do with the exception of, you know, if, if it was in, supposed to make me feel remorse for the, the convicts, I... From the acts that they, you know, this is uh, in the horror genre. This would be considered a revenge, a revenge film. Uh, Spit on your grave is another similar one, and that was remade close to the same time as this one. And but then this they become, went two and three with Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, multiples. Which a lot, you know. I give Last House on the Left four out of five beers. Absolute classic. Five beers, like I said, would be a perfect, flawless film. I don't see it as that. So I give it four beer. Four beer. Not something I'm going to go to all the time, but something that I appreciate and that I do not deny the impact it's had on cinema, especially horror cinema. Now, that gets us to 2009's last house on the left remake. Um, like I said, I enjoyed the film. I don't think a remake was necessary. I don't think hardly any remakes are necessary. <laughs> but for that matter, I, I did enjoy it. My memory, <laughs> I remember enjoying it. I don't, I, I couldn't, I remember, sir, I remember that chest tube. And I remember, you know. Mary was a big swimmer in this one. And yeah. And they, Mary, and they the, played out the whole idea yeah, of her swimming back. Right. Which, I mean, I was, yeah. Which. Did they mention? I, I want to say they mentioned her being a swimmer, like she, a competitive swimmer. She, the movie starts out the original scene of the movie. The very first thing you're looking at is her swimming. Okay, so in an it, Olympic size gotcha. or whatever pool, so, and trying to make sure that she gets a better time. So she's competitive. And then they swimmer. also, which that uh, would again, be essential to, to make sense if, if she's going to swim that distance in the movie. And again, not to try to not to try to focus too much on the remake, yeah. but in the remake, there's a big deal about the fact that she had a brother, and her brother had recently died a year prior. Yeah, I do. Remember in a boating that. accident, exactly. right? So there's a bit of a there's much more there, emphasis there's a, put on the water and the swimming, and the theme and is surviving, survival, both emotionally with this horrible loss, and you know, of course, physically <laughs> through the movie. But, to, I, I remember enjoying the film, like I said. It loses a beer automatically for being a remake. Not because remakes are bad, necessarily. Just because it's not an original piece of work. It can't be a five-beer 
to me, you can't be a five beer without it being an original piece of work. And, you know. Can't recreate I'm, I'm sure, the Mona Lisa and get five beers. Right, I'm sure I'll end up eating those words sometime in the future. But anyhow, I'm taking a beer off for that on this day. On automatically this day. to four beers. So it's automatically down to four. And I, enter, I mean, it was entertaining. And I'm giving it two and a half beer oh. out of five. Final rating. I feel like I'm too nice. I went, I went a whole beer over your ratings almost. Yeah. For the well, future, okay. I need to think about that. No, it's your rating. You can give them all fives. I don't want to. <laughs> I lose credibility if I go fives. <laughs> gotcha. Everything so, gets fives. Nobody wants to agree. So we've done Psycho. We've done Last House on the Left. Do you have any final thoughts? The, the last thing I'd like to say is, first cast... I feel like I mentioned Scream every five minutes. And the Wes Craven movie, you and didn't now Scream I've, at all. I've specifically held myself back from mentioning Scream. But, Wes Craven, Last House scream. on the Left, Wes Craven, Scream. Can we just throw it in there really quickly that one of the main themes of Scream is the idea that Randy points out the themes of horror movies and why people get killed. And could it possibly come from this movie that one of the major reasons people get killed is from doing drugs or looking for drugs or okay. drugs in particular? I see. And this is the reason that the two ladies end up in the room in the first place is through looking for marijuana. So we're going through the whole rules of horror. Rules of horror movie based off Randy's of Wes Craven. Well, we gotta give credit oh, to Randy. and Randy. Oh, God. What was Randy's last uh, It doesn't name? matter. We, we know Randy from Scream. The Shermanator. The Shermanator? Wasn't he the Shermanator? No, I don't think he was. He was Malibu's most wanted. Was he? Yeah. I'm <laughs> pretty sure he was. <laughs> Anyhow, at but, any rate, Randy. Randy articulates these rules very clearly in Scream. And of, you know, sex. No sex. Drugs. Which is why they needed the girls in the first place. No drugs. Well, and and and, and, and like I said, we're we're slowly getting to them. So if we want to say the sin in Psycho is the sex or the theft, or I guess it would be the sex. I don't think they said anything about stealing and scream. No. Anyhow, the sex. And then last house on the left, we have the drugs. drugs. The drugs. Now we've reached the drugs. They are looking for drugs. If so, you want to go find drugs, expect to be murdered. So in a now, if you're going to go down this path, you got to be perfect. So now you got to find the movie where the first person to say, I'll be right back, I'll be right back. gets killed. Find that one. Wait, I'm sure that we could. <laughs> I'm sure that we no, could. No, we have the first one. And then we have to be sure this is the first time this ever happened. If you have this information, <laughs> go ahead. Send us a message. We can verify it for you. We'll look it up. We'll figure it out. Even if you don't, that's going to be our next job. All not right. necessarily the next cast, but we'll look for it. Oh, not the next cast. Nobody. But the next cast, I do... We, we've done two... Uh, Psycho has some humor in it. And Last House on the Left has some humor in it as well. But we're going to... But for the most part, they're super serious movies. They're classics. We're going to try to do something a little more fun next time. Those are fun. Those are fun talking about. Those are awesome movies, but we want to get into some, I want some cheese or something. Let's go. Where are we or going? maybe something newer. 
just something, just a, I guess a warning. We're not, the next movie we do will not be super duper serious. The, these two last movies have been extremely gut-wrenching and uh, they, intense. they put you on, Some, a, they're intense. Intense, movie, intense yeah. is a great word. Yeah. And so we'll do something a little more fun. Halloween is right around the corner. Our next podcast will be in September. So, I think we should do some kind of top five. I agree. Not all time. I don't want to do all time horror. We need a some kind of top five theme. Top five theme. And if we're going monthly basis, then next month would be October. No, it would be September. It's August. No, no. After this pod, after our next podcast, the one after that would be October. Oh, right, October. So two two casts from now is October. Next one we're going to do a top five. The next September we'll do a top five. Top five. Then and, and we'll talk about something. We'll talk about a film that's not as intense as the one, the two we've done. Well, that's what I'm saying. It'll be a more lighthearted. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to have this probably the Screen Factory announcements or any of that to go on next month. So we'll just... There won't be a lot of news, I don't think. I hope not, because I don't think anything's being about to be sprung on us. No. Horror-wise. Not, that, not or, that I can think of. Yeah. And we probably won't have Pirate's Cup of Joe Porter either. No. It'll probably be PBR. Not unless we can make it all the way across the continental Pick United States. Um, so anyway, next week we'll do... Uh, next week. Next month... We'll do some. We'll do a top five of some sort, and then we'll do something fun. And October is going to be is going to be Halloween. We might have to do two like, in October. And, and I say Halloween like the holiday, indeed, and the movie, because you know Halloween forty or whatever the official title is. Halloween. Halloween space. two. I don't know. Is I believe. October 18th is its release. And I plan on commenting on it. Because I plan on being there. We've got to see it. We've got to see it. And we'll talk about it. Along with some of the... We may Halloweens. have to go to a theater where we can have beers. So that we can include in our our five beer rating. How many beers did we get through during the movie? Well, that would be did more we get than five. We would mess up two, the whole rating. Three, four, five? It would be like more than five. Because I'd be nervous drinking before I even got in. <laughs> what is good at? <laughs> Can't believe I'm getting ready to see a, a new Halloween film. All right, with with Jamie Lee Curtis, and that's the kicker because she's in I've it. seen. Yeah. She's the, she is in it. Yeah, she's in it. It's not in, in it space. It. It's not. It's no, not, it's not anything crazy. It's she's there. Yep, she's there. <sighs> it's exciting. She's been waiting for this. It's exciting. The All scream right. queen. The scream. The original. The original swoon. My heart sings. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm Brian. Chris. Adios.
boys of the junior Sadie and crew Out for the day with the Collingwood brood Out for the day for some fresh air and sun 